Hey, I'm Krista Wallace, and welcome back to Learning to Serve. Uh, today, truly, I get to have a great interview with my oldest daughter, Corinne Aspen Wallace, and she goes by Aspen to her students. But she gets to, to share her account of what it was like to be a student of outdoor learning, um, and now she is a teacher that uses outdoor learning. She is a teacher at the Rocky Mountain School of Expeditionary Learning in Denver, Colorado, and teaches 7th and 8th grade math. And so we're going to get to hear how outdoor education, outdoor learning, uh, finds its way into uh, teaching and learning in her world. So let's hear her story. Hey folks, and welcome back to Season 3 of Learning to Serve the podcast that explores deeper learning in Christian schools. I'm Krista Wallace, host, editor, and producer of this podcast. Let's dive in. Okay, well, welcome to Learning to Serve. Today we have Aspen Wallace, who happens to be my oldest daughter. And I am delighted to have you on Learning to Serve. Thank you for inviting me. I am very honored and very excited to speak about my experiences as a student who attended Dulos and now an EL teacher. Awesome. So Aspen, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and specifically, how did you get involved with outdoor education and experiential learning? Um, <clears throat> I was born and raised in the Dominican Republic. I um, attended Dulles Discovery School, um, the school you started in the Dominican Republic from first to 11th grade. Um, and I had an amazing school experience and I moved to the States when I was in 12th grade, my senior year of high school and realized that traditional schools was not meant for me, which <laughs> shifted my perspective for schools I wanted to apply to for college. When you say traditional schools were not for you, that's kind of an understatement. You were like, oh, I didn't realize how awesome this place was. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> okay, so specifically, we're talking about experiential learning, outdoor education. Uh, what was your experience as a student? You, you spent first through 11th, through 11th grade at Dulos. Um, what, was, what was it like going to an expeditionary learning school? I loved it. I um, every expedition, there was a huge purpose and a big buy-in to the topics we are learning. And because we are learning that topic in all of my classes, there was a huge buy-in as a student that this work that we were doing is, was really important. And my teachers meet always encouraged us to do our very best. Um, and there was always a purpose for school. It wasn't just going through the motions and learning <clears throat> how to write an essay. We wrote essays because there was a purpose behind it or we were trying to convince someone or writing a story based on an experience we had. Um, so it wasn't going through the motions as a student, but there was a buy-in um, to learning, which is the most important part of school. Yeah, it was, it was purposeful, right? I mean, you were, you were asked to, to create products that served people beyond your classroom, right? People in your community. Oh, 100%. And it motivated us as students to do our very best, especially since the products we are creating were for people outside of our school. Mm -hmm. 
So at the beginning of every school year at Dulos, um, you participated in Outdoor Education Week, and that differed, you know, based on what grade you were in. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what, what are some of your memories, what are some experiences that you had that you still remember? Um, I'm going to go from elementary school whenever we would camp at Spear Mound. It was fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, and we would make Taino huts because we were studying that in our Spanish and social studies classes. What were the Taino? The Tainos are the indigenous people um, native to the Dominican Republic Mm -hmm. before the Spaniards conquered the island. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would have to build these shelters as students and we would um, create and um, cook food that was indigenous to Dominicans. Mm -hmm. Like like what? Like cassava. Mm -hmm. We would... Tell people what cassava is. Cassava is a... um, kind of bread made out of yuca, which is a root. So you have to cook the yuca. Um, No, you actually have to grade the yuca and because yuca has a lot of water, you have to squeeze out the water and then you have to add salt and some other seasonings um, as you desire. And then you have to cook it and then it becomes like this flat bread. It's like a, looks like a tortilla, really thick one. Um, But as students, we would get to make um, these foods and learn about, the natives of our, um, the Dominican Republic. And it was, it was a really fun experience because it was fourth, fifth and sixth graders who would all go together. So it was also multi-level in grades as well. That's so fun. That was so fun. (laughs) It was a blast. And then in sixth grade, we would, we went to, um, Fronton, which is a beach, a deserted beach, on the coast of Samana, the peninsula on the Dominican Republic. And the only way you can access this beach is if you hike in or take a yola, which is a, a boat, <laughs> a fishing boat, <laughs> onto the island. Um, Either way, it's exciting. <laughs> actually, onto the beach. And it was very exciting. Um, but we spent a week camping on the beach. We mm. snorkeled and learned about the impacts of coral reefs and how fishermen can be more aware of um, being more proactive in um, the coral reefs to protect them instead of damaging them with um, lobster cages. Mm -hmm. And then we would um, go rock climbing as well. Um, There's a huge rock wall right along the beach. It is incredible. So we would spend a week, we would do night classes and looked at plankton and we would have an expert who is a marine biologist who would come out with the students and talk about all the importance mm-hmm. of okay. coral reefs and honestly why it is important for the for Dominicans to know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right because fishing practices impact the coral reef and the coral reef impacts tourism. Tourism impacts the economy. <clears throat> So it, it all it all is woven together. Um, so in my last podcast, I interviewed Tim Scarborough, and he was talking about the trips up to Pico Duarte. Oh, and that's the one I was going to talk about <laughs> as well. In eighth grade, we go backpacking for a week, which is ironic because um, a month ago, I took my students on a backpacking trip. Mm-hmm. And I remember everything I learned as a student going through these expeditions um so we backpacked the tallest peak in the caribbean which is called pico duarte it sits at ten thousand feet 
And um, it was an incredible experience. It was very cold. Uh, it rained a lot. Mm-hmm. We got soaked. But as eighth graders, and we had the most horrible food ever. <laughs> so all of us eighth graders would go talk to the guides and say, feed us, please. <laughs> we are having frozen bread for breakfast and we don't want this. <laughs> so we are very mischievous, but we learned about one another. We bonded really well. My class size was really small. So we had about 12 to 15 um, students every year. So we became very, very close with one another. We, um, we acted all like siblings because we had been at w- in school for so long, um, sometimes from second grade and right. third grade to eighth grade. So that's a long yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, you guys really, <clears throat> there weren't a lot of kids that came into um, your, your, the, the school. Um, and so really there was this group of like 10, 15 kids that stayed together all the way through graduation. <clears throat> Um, so now you are teaching at an expeditionary learning school here in Denver, and you took your seventh and eighth grade crew backpacking. Um, what was that at the end of August, beginning of September? Yes, it was. So talk about that as a teacher. Um, why does your school choose to do that? And what impact does that have on learning and relationships throughout the school year? So we purposely do um, hard things with our students because it bonds us and we're able to come together and unify over this one thing. If it was um, <clears throat> backpacking together or if you are um, camping in a different location in Colorado. So this year, my students had the opportunity to go backpacking. Um, we did the Colorado Trail, um, which was incredible. It was a great time of year. It did not rain. Um, the students had an incredible time. Some of them had been backpacking before, but 90% of the students had never gone backpacking. Um, so hiking 20 miles in four days is a big ask for seventh and eighth graders. For sure. Um, but they learn how to set up their own tents. They cook themselves. They learn how to use map and compass. Um, they learned how to filter water and the importance of water scarcity in Colorado. Um, and they learned to lean on one another. They learned uh, how to ask help and how to um, really, they bonded so well. And um, they really, it helps me as their crew leader. And I'm also their seventh and eighth grade math teacher. Um <clears throat> It helps me build a relationship with students. Um, I get to know them on a different level. They get to know me outside of the classroom and there's this trust. And so whenever I'm in the classroom and um, there's behavior issues or there's discipline actions that need to happen, um, they know it's coming from um, a space of love and they know that um, I care about them more than just what they did. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, Miss Aspen is doing this because she cares about me or she's asking me to do this because she wants me to be a better human or to respond from um, respond to my actions um, and to be a kinder human. So um, in my classroom, there's no behavior issues just because I spend a lot of time outside of the classroom mm-hmm. and in class building those relationships. Um, students won't learn if they're not, um, if they don't feel safe. So I spent a lot of my class time making sure students feel safe, um, letting students be their authentic selves in my classroom. So 
then they can be able to learn. Sometimes math is not the favorite subject, (laughs) but they do love my class. And so that is a big one for me every day. And that's a big deal. Yeah, you do have, I mean, at the beginning of the school year, you found out that you have a a number of students, a a very large number of your students who um, are, would be considered special needs students. And so uh, this really does, this experience really does help set um, the tone, not just for you and that student, but the student with one another, right? Most definitely. It helps create community that's healthy. And students at this age, they really do want their teachers to care. So if I have to spend 10 minutes of my class time talking to a student about um, World War II airplanes, because they're fascinated by them, or talking about what they did this weekend, or how their soccer game went, I will spend that time because they know that what they're doing in my classroom matters, but they're uh, human first and foremost, and then they're my students. So I want them to feel safe. I never assume that these students have a safe place at home. I always assume that um, they always have a safe place in my classroom. So I want to give the same amount of love and care and attention to all of my students, and especially the ones that seek more of my attention mm-hmm. because I know that they need that. Yeah, that's so good. And just to clarify, you, you know, you grew up going to a faith-based school, but the school that you work with now is a charter school. It's a, it would be a considered a, a public school. So, um, but the principles are the same, whether it's at a charter school or a public school or, um, or, or a private school. So um, how, how would you say that week of backpacking impacts their learning and, and what kind of, what kind of um, content did you carry out while you were on trail with, with your students? Did you do English and math and science or did you focus on relationship development only? Um, especially for this trip, it was all relationship um, developing. And in the springtime um, for certain expeditions, mm-hmm. there will be curriculum um, intertwined in it, but this one is solely based on building relationship with students, pushing them, making them do hard things to set the tone for the rest of the year. Okay. And so this was like week two of school, right? This was week three. Week three. Okay. So we had two weeks in the classroom, getting to know one another. We would practice walking around the park with our packs on in downtown Denver. Um, so this was a lot of preparing um, the students for this week long. Okay, awesome. Did any parents go with you? Yes, we do. I um, have parent volunteers as support. Um, it does help us a lot when there are parents who come along for them to experience it. Um, it also allows them to be able to bond with their child even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really special. We had um, two parents come on my trip this year. Okay. And any best practices that you've learned about inviting parents to come on these kinds of adventures? My biggest tip is that, um, especially with backpacking, they have to have a backpacking background Mm -hmm. or have, have done it before. Um, especially since the adults are there to support you as a teacher. Um, and so they're helping the kids out, helping them set up tents and filtering water and answering questions and making sure kids are safe. Um, So I would always recommend that a parent has experience. And because um, we're an expeditionary learning school, a lot of these parents have been on crew trips before. Mm -hmm. Um, So you always want to get advice from the crew leader from the year before or um, 
advice from other teachers to make sure that the parents who are going on there um, supports you and is not a burden. So I know at your school, you, you literally have someone that works on the logistics um, that figures out the route and does the, you know, the, the food and all the logistics of a week-long backpacking trip for 25 people, which is a lot of people to go on trail together. Um, but what, as, a, as the teacher, as the lead teacher, what were some things that, that you needed to prepare students towards? What were some things that you did before you got on the bus to go on trail? Um, we do a lot of community building before going on. So, and I, my school is unique in a way that we have fitness incorporated. So we do 30 minutes of fitness. So if that's running or doing circuits or some kind of movement and exercise a day. So we also test kids on their fitness level. So they have to be able to run for 30 minutes um, without walking. Um, and there are fitness requirements for students to go on the backpacking trail as well. Okay. So if there's students um, that have any physical needs, they probably would not be able to go? Correct. There were some students who had um, some physical ailments or some injuries so that they could not go, mm -hmm. um, but they have all summer to prep as well. So it's also the family's responsibility to encourage them to be part of their students' learning. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a lot of parents go on like we um, daily hikes with their students. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It also empowers the parents to be part of their learning mm -hmm. instead of just passively um, engaged in, the, in their learning. Oh, for sure. What about the students who, even if they, um, you know, for one reason or the other, they're not physically able to go, what happens, what, what do they do during that week? Um, we do not provide services at a school, as a school, because their whole middle school team is out. Mm -hmm. So um, in high school, they have to make up their adventure week because it is part of their requirement to be able to graduate. Mm -hmm. um, but in middle school, they would have to um, spend time at home. Okay, so there is there's other adventure modifications that could be offered. Sometimes there are, and um, there's an option to go um, on a different adventure trip. So only two out of the four middle school classes did backpacking. So there's an option to go on the other trips um, if possible. So maybe one that's a little less strenuous. Correct. Okay. Cool. Um, okay, we've looked at your experience as a student and also as a teacher with elder education. In your own words, how would you define outdoor education? Um, I think it is a great way to learn. It is not for everyone. I am, especially since being a teacher now and as a student, I saw that not everyone was fit um, to learn this way, but for the majority of students, it is a great way to learn because you are practicing um, how to be a student, practicing, um, the importance of collaborating and creating product for real world um, stuff and problems and problem solving. Um, I truly enjoyed my time as a student. I loved the small class sizes. I loved the personal relationships with all my students. I loved the adventure base. It was like the one thing to look forward to every semester. Mm -hmm. Um, you got to hang out with your close friends, you go camping and um, do and see really cool things. Um, and I truly enjoyed that part. And I think 
at my school, my students truly enjoy those parts as well. We try to incorporate um, once a month, we go out and do an adventure day. So we take them paddle boarding or rock climbing or hiking. So we try to take them outside as well throughout the school year. So it's not just a week long once mm. a time. Okay. It's sprinkled throughout the school year. That's really good. That's really good. Um, how would you say outdoor learning has impacted you personally? It has helped me developed a lot my love for the outdoors um I love backpacking and doing it in school I saw that it wasn't just like a way to do something fast or like Mm -hmm. oh this is like the cool thing to do like I love going outside and immersing myself in nature it is it is beautiful and seeing Mm -hmm. what my body can do and climb up a mountain or go see beautiful places so being more aware of my surroundings um I love I mean the reason why I live in Colorado and I mountain bike and I ski throughout <laughs> the whole year. And I try to play as much as I can outside um, because my school helped me encourage that as well. It wasn't mm. like, Oh, once a week in the summertime, we go and do this. It's like throughout the whole year. Yeah. It really is a part of the culture, right? It's Most part definitely. of the culture of your school. And I think what's, what, as I've watched you grow, um, it's, it's, it's so fun to, to see you encounter challenges and you're like, yeah, okay. So this isn't that hard. You know I mean? Because you had, you were raised on a steady diet of challenges, you know, that, that you were just expected to overcome. And, and I think it's, that's a, that's a beautiful thing about having this as a culture in the school is, you know, not everyone, and, and, and it's not that you have to be successful at the challenge, but we are going to, um, we're going to face it. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to shy away from that challenge. Most definitely. I mean, it builds your character as well. It helps you become who you are going to be as a human later on. If you can do hard things and it challenge your perspective on different items, you're going to be a more well-rounded human. Mm -hmm. Um, it's interesting. My students always say, um, like they'll talk about their friends or family members of like, oh, we went hiking with my friend this weekend and they couldn't do it. And man, I knew that I could do it because I worked really hard and I changed my mm. mentality to have more of a positive outlook. Um, and same as an adult, when I see people who can't do hard things, I'm like, oh man, that sucks because <laughs> I learned how to do hard things. And I always challenge other people to do hard things, mm-hmm. even if you don't, if you are not successful. And what I tell my students is failure is the best way to learn. Mm. Um, Can we say you, that again? Failure is the best way to learn. Mm-hmm. You learn more about yourself. You learn more about the mistakes that you made when you fail mm-hmm. instead of succeeding the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's very true. That's good. Um, okay. I have one more question. If someone who is listening to this, a teacher, uh, or could be a school administrator was interested in starting outdoor education or outdoor learning for their class, for their school, what word of advice would you give? I would go and check out an EL school that is successful and Mm -hmm. runs a great program and talk to the students. The students will always tell you um, the best advice, the things that they like and don't like. Kids are honest and that's why I love them. (laughs) They tell me all the time, like, I didn't like that. I'm like, that's good to know. I'm going to change it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they'll tell you things that they really do love. Um, 
kids are the best. They'll tell you. Um, so go to a school, an Yale school that's doing really well, and just talk to a mm. bunch of kids and see what they like and what they don't like. And it'll help you maybe change your perspective on why you should be an EL teacher or incorporate EL into your school already. Yeah. Site visits are incredible. I feel like I can do a semester worth of learning in a couple of days of just observe observations and, and interviews. Oh, most definitely. And you get to see teachers in their element, schools that are incorporating it already and talk to parents too. If you have an opportunity mm. to talk to parents, they'll see their students' characters change. We have, because my school is not faith-based, um, we do have character values mm -hmm. that are incorporated in our everyday. So students get to reflect on their character every week and, and set goals for themselves of how they can improve every week. Wow. That's incredible. Well, Aspen, I am so proud of you. I am delighted that you are now carrying the torch of outdoor learning with your students. And um, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you. It was amazing. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the Learning to Serve podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please share this with someone and give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd like to invite you and your school to attend CDL6, this year's Christian Deeper Learning Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, on March 8th through 10th, 2023. To register and find out more, visit our website, christiandeeperlearning.org. And also sign up to get our regular blog posts. Remember this quote by Howard Hendricks, Christian education is like a bomb with a long fuse. Sometimes it takes a while to go off.